Good morning, guys. How are we doing this morning? My name's Josh. If I haven't met you, I would love to meet you and get to know you. Um, and I am happily married to a la mysterious lady by the name of Stephanie in the crowd. Um, and we have a almost two-year-old son. His name's Remy. And we've been coming to this church now for, I think it's over five years. Five years. Wow. Yeah. Um, and we love Jesus. We love his church. We love what he's doing here in Alston. And it's a privilege to just be a part of his kingdom coming to Alston. And that's kind of what we've been in recently. We've been in a series of Vision and Values um, 2020. Forgive the cheese, but it was uh, a good choice of a series when we heard that this year was 2020. Um, and what we've been going through is we feel like a lot of things here at Anchor Point have kind of become a little bit muddled. The, the, the words that we've been using, we're not sure what they mean. So we've been, we've been longing to bring clarity to what it is that we're going for here at Anchor Point. And this last part of the values is we're going to talk about community today. I got to give a shout out to my boy, Tom. He's not here. He's at City Gates Church in Allison or in Ajax. Thank you. Um, preaching there. He came up to me and he's like, Josh, we got to change around the schedule. I know you're scheduled. I was supposed to speak on community last week. Um, and I said, bro, I already ordered a book from Amazon and I don't really have any clue about renewal. Can I just stay on community? And he said, that was fine. So thank you, Tom. That's why last week he spoke on renewal. This week I'm speaking about community. And there's a reason why that matters. We kind of wanted as a leadership to show that there is some continuity in our values. And so... I don't even know what this thing is called. Does anyone know what this is called? Like anyone that knows? It's a matrix. It's a matrix. Thank you. We're going to call it the matrix. <laughs> a Venn diagram? It all makes sense now. Okay. So we've been going through this Venn diagram and you can see all the bigger circles. Um, God's way, God's rule, God's people, and God's place. And within them, in the intersection of the bigger circles, we've seen our values. So gospel identity, renewal, community. And I think the important thing that we come to a realization of is what we're seeing here in God's kingdom coming to Allison is actually the convergence of all these big circles, right? So we want all, to see all these big circles actually coming into one circle as God, God's kingdom is coming here to Allison. And in the midst of it, in between the circles, we have our values. And so this week, we're going to talk about the intersection, if you could switch that slide there, the intersection between God's people and God's place. And the value in there is community. And so why we've structured these values a certain way, we've been convicted that it matters how it works. So if you could go to the next slide. We, we started on the gospel. Um, and Tom has kind of been talking about this, this circular motion of what we're learning about, what we're believing. So the good news of Jesus, we hear about it, and it calls us to make a decision, right? Are we going to accept the good news of Jesus, or are we going to reject him and follow our own ways? And so here at Anchor Point, we want to, as a family, as a community, hear about Jesus and follow him. And so when we make that choice, we now see that we have actually a new identity in Christ. We are in Christ, we are his children, and with that identity comes now a call into community, and so this community is now centered on Jesus. He is the reason why we do anything. And in that understanding of a community that we're now a part of, centered on Jesus, 
a family, children of God, we are called to the renewal of all things. And so in that circle, I don't want to present it as like, and I want to be clear, it's not like we study the gospel, we figure out identity, we're a community, and then renewal happens. It's not like that really in life. There's, there's a recognition that there's a continuing motion there in our lives. So the gospel breaks something in us that we have held on to for a long time. We submit that to Jesus. It changes an aspect of our identity, what motivates us, why we do things. We then recognize that's, that within a context of community, and that shapes renewal, hopefully in Allison and in the world around us. And that's not just in how I treat people. That's not just in how I talk. There's, it's continually happening. As long as we are alive here on this earth, this process will continue to happen in our lives. You guys with me? Yeah. Okay. So, we're going to play a little game. I heard the giraffes are in the service with us today. Yeah, yeah Charlotte. So we're going to play a word association game. Who likes word association games? Who likes code names? I'm not going to lie. We've had some epic, epic code name battles here at Anchor Point. Get into a community group because if you get into one, you will see people getting tackled onto couches. That has happened. You will see vibrant, loving interaction, some trash talk. It's good stuff. Okay. So this word association game, first word. Okay. I'm going to say a word and I want you guys to interact with me. The word, and it doesn't need to, so word association is usually I say a word, you say a word back. It can be a word or it can be a sentence. Okay. So if I say the word community, what do you say? Put up a hand, put up a hand. Let's do the hand thing. Yes. Awesome. Good one. Yes, Trish. Family. Okay. Angela. Lots of people. Lots of people. Lee. Doing life together. Doing life together. Carrie. Relationships. Relationships. Come on, people. Let's go. Let's get involved. Let's go. I don't want all the hands up. Yes, Isaiah. Um, people around you. People around you. Okay. Accountability. Accountability. Yeah, Dan. Support. Support. Audrey. Friendship? Nice. Very good. Anyone else have one that they want to share they just couldn't get? Yes. Hospitality. Hospitality. Love it. Yes, Maggie. I think that's you. Food. Oh, Food. oh yeah. Yeah, Roger. You lay down and eat all the snacks. Like me personally? Roger was in my community group. I don't know if that's true, but we'll, we'll talk about that after. Okay. Love it. Thanks for your participation. Next word. Crowd. Lots of people. Yeah. Run. Come on. I know there's some. Yeah, Angela. Lonely. Levi. Strangers. Suspicions. Yeah. Noise. Okay. Yeah, curious. She is a teacher, don't worry. Uh, yes, yes, yes. Good one, Carrie. Yes, Tion. Dedication. Dedication, interesting. Loud? Anyone? Yeah, Jeff. Overwhelming. Overwhelming. Okay. Control. Thanks, Mark. Yeah, Isaiah. A lot of people in one place. Yes. 
Anyone else want to share? Chaos. Chaos. Okay, interesting. Uh, if you could go to that next slide. So we're, I actually, <laughs> I Googled this, got the definition off of Webster's or uh, can't remember somebody else's name that made a dictionary. So let's just read this together here. So community, a group of people living in the same place or having a particular characteristic in common, a feeling of fellowship with others as a result of sharing common attributes, interests, and goals, a similarity of identity. Hmm. A crowd, a large number of people gathered together in a disorganized way, a jungle, an audience. I found that very interesting. A group of people linked by a common interest or activity. So, naturally, there'd be a question associated with this game. And the question that I just want to ask you guys this morning is, when you reflect on and consider your church experience as a whole, which word defines your involvement? So I was kind of wrestling with this in what I was studying and reading. And the thing that hit me that really started to stir something in my heart was, this is a human definition. When we think of community, this really doesn't scratch the surface of how God defines what a community is. And so I think the truth of this is when we encounter Jesus, we recognize and realize that he actually wants to strip down our definitions of things. He wants to put in us his, the way he defines things. So when we look at our values, gospel, when we look at identity, when we look at community, when we look at renewal, we all have in ourselves a way of defining those things. Would you agree? And so part of this process, I think, as a church and as a community is recognizing that Jesus wants to redefine a lot of these things for us. Having, having some humility to lay down the way we see things and allow him to define community for us. And so that's my hope this morning. Um, but with that being said, in order to bring some clarity, in order to bring, you know, unity of vision, we had to make a definition. <laughs> so this is how we're going to define community for now. And I just want to say, like, humbly, I think things can change. Okay, like, as we come to a deeper understanding and revelation of who Jesus is, what he's doing, things will naturally change, right? To some degree, I think, right? Things will become clearer. And so our definition that we're going to work with this morning is community is a group of uniquely gifted people who are bound together in the love of the Father, learning to become like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, and through covenant relationship, determined to partner with God and each other in the renewal of all things. Sound good? Okay. So because we are listening to a sermon, and sermons come in parts typically, we're going to break this down into three parts. We're going to break it down into why community? Why did you guys choose community? What is community? And what do we do with community? Okay? That's what we're going to go through today. So I'm just going to pray, and then we're going to hop right in. Father, I just want to thank you for this morning. Um, yeah, we just, ask, we just ask for your help. Lord, help, help us recognize the ways we've defined community in a rigid selfish, um, us-centered way. Um, Jesus, we just want to look to you uh, for the definition of why we do anything. And I just pray, Lord, this morning as we take a deeper look into community, 
that you would kind of break down some of those obstacles that are in the way from us being a tight-knit community, family-centered on you, Jesus. That's what we want. We want unity. We want you to be at the center of everything we do. And we just pray um, by your spirit, you would show us maybe a little glimpse of that this morning. So we thank you for this time. We pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, why community? Why community? I was going to, no. Okay. Yeah, thank you, John. It's, uh, anyone ever watch the show Community? Okay. I, I thought about having some sort of, but I was like, half the people are not going to get it. So I didn't go there. That was Jonathan doing something. That's great. Okay, so I chose two scriptural themes that I think will help us in understanding why we chose community as a value. And the two themes are, number one, community is a characteristic or attribute of our Trinitarian God. Okay? Community is a characteristic or attribute of our Trinitarian God. Number two is community is deeply tied to God's purposes throughout the biblical story, specifically in relation to his covenant promises. Didn't, bet you didn't think I was going to go out that way, did you? Covenant promises. Community, covenant promises? Like what? Okay, we'll, we'll talk about it. Um, so let's go to the next slide there. In the creation account, and I think Tom had this uh, scripture up last week, Genesis 1.26 says, Then God said, let us make mankind in our image, in our likeness, so that they may rule over the fish of the sea and the birds in the air and the sky, over the livestock and all the wild animals and over all the creatures that move along the ground. So in this, we see that God has actually put his communal Trinitarian image onto mankind. His desire for communion within himself, Father, Son, and Spirit, has become an intrinsic attribute of humanity. And so the creation story continues, and we see us partnering with God to subdue, rule, reign on the earth. But comes the, I don't even know what that point is called in a story, but there's a, there's a, it's not a climax, it's the other one. That point comes where we choose our own way, right? The fall, sin. We choose our way over God, but what we have now is just a broken image of still a communal Trinitarian God on our being. And so the first why of community is that humanity has imprinted on it the image of a communal God, a loving, servant-hearted, other-centered communion that he experiences in himself, but he also desires to share with us and us with one another. And so the second theme that we want to go over and that I'm maybe going to take a little bit more time with is that of biblical covenants. Anyone know what a covenant is? Ooh, who said contract? There go, Maggie. Nice. Yeah, so if we think of covenant, if you're like, covenant, what the heck is that? Is that like a... a no, I'm not going to go there. A contract is a good way of thinking it. So you have two parties, typically. One makes a promise, the other makes a commitment, promises commitments to each other. And so in the biblical covenants, at their foundations, are promises that God has made with people and that he asks his partners to make commitments to him. And so in the Old Testament, I have up here, there's four specific covenants that we're, we're not going to go through in detail. And the interesting part about these covenants is the, I don't even know if this is right, Noahic? Noahic. Noahic. If you didn't learn anything today, Noahic is the way to say the Noahic covenant. 
So the Noahic covenant, God actually just makes a promise. He doesn't ask for a commitment back from mankind. He just says, I am not going to, the flood comes. He promises Noah and his family that he's not going to destroy the world anymore. He gives a sign of the, what, what's the sign? Rainbow. He gives a sign as a rainbow of his covenant between him and mankind. For Abraham, uh, God promises that he will bless Abraham, make him a father of many nations, give him a big family, lots of land. But he asks him to trust him and to do the righteous thing, to do what is right. And then with Israel, we see now as Abraham's family has grown, we have this tribe of people. Um, and God, through Moses on Sinai, gives them a bunch of laws, right? The Ten Commandments. Everyone with me? Everyone's like, Ten, did he just say Ten Commandments? I just said Ten Commandments, but that is good news. And we will find out why in a second. Um, as guidelines on how to live well as a community of God's partners, and then God will bless them as a people that represent him to the nations. And then we see in the covenant with, can you see that, David? In his covenant with David, now Israel is a large country, right? And David is ruling, and God promises David that he will bless him as David leads Israel to obey his laws and do what is right and just. And in this blessing, God promises David that one of his descendants will come and extend God's kingdom of justice and peace for all eternity. And so as we read through the biblical story, if you read through the Old Testament and we come to understand a bit more about God's reality, we see that people mess it up. They mess it up. Time and time again, God promises something. He asks for a commitment from people and they mess it up. And so what we start to see as we read through like the prophets, they start talking about a day when God is actually going to restore all these covenants. And he's going to do it through a person, and he's going to call it a new covenant. And so who comes along? Anyone know? Drafts. Drafts. Anyone know who's, who comes along? Sir. When in doubt, Jesus is the answer. <laughs> I don't think you can go wrong if you say, Jesus? Um, and so along comes Jesus, uh, who we learn is actually the one that fulfills all these covenants. And so with Abraham, he's from the line of Abraham. He's going to bless all the nations through himself. He actually is the faithful Israelite that's able to keep all of God's commands. And he's from the tribe of Judah, from the line of David. And he is the one through which God's kingdom is going to extend for all of time of peace and justice. And so Jesus, through what he accomplished on the cross, now calls a new group of people from all the nations to be his representatives. So just like God called Israel to stand out among the nations, live a certain way to be his representatives for all of mankind, they screwed it up. And now Jesus has come to fulfill those covenants, and to call a new people, a new community centered on him to be that example to all of creation. And so Jesus calls people into a new covenant community centered on him that he is committed to making into a group of people that can once again be faithful to God through the empowerment of his spirit. So the second why of community is in the Bible, we see God using people or a community to represent him and bring his redemptive purposes back to creation. Everyone with me? Doing okay? Okay. So we got the why. Anyone 
remember what the two themes are? Two themes of the Y. What were they? Yes, there's the first one. What's the second one? Covenants. Covenants. Jesus. <laughs> <laughs> oh, good, good one. You did. You said it. So now that we have the why, let's talk about what is community. Jesus, that's great, bro. What is community? And so as we're kind of jumping into the New Testament, the New Covenant. We see the writers in the New Testament, they begin to use a a variety of metaphors. There's not a specific definition of community in the New Testament, but a lot of these writers, specifically Paul and Jesus, they use a metaphor to explain what this group of people is like. And so we're going to talk about two specific metaphors um, that will hopefully help us understand community, um, the body and the family, which is cool because we've been talking about that already this morning. And we're going to finish it off with how Jesus describes what a community is. So if you want to jump to that scripture, it's in 1 Corinthians 12, 12 to 27. If you have your Bibles with you, and we're just going to read through this. Just as a body, the one has many parts, but all its many parts form one body. So it is, so it is with Christ. For we are all baptized by one spirit, so as to form one body, whether Jews or Gentiles, slave or free, And we were all given the one spirit to drink. Even so, the body is not made up of one part, but of many. Now, if the foot should say, because I am not a hand, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. And if the ear should say, because I am not an eye, I do not belong to the body, it would not for that reason stop being part of the body. If the whole body were an eye, where would the sense of hearing be? And if the whole body were an ear, where would the sense of smell be? But in fact, God has placed the parts in the body, every one of them, just as he wanted them to be. If they were all one part, where would the body be? As it is, there are many parts, but one body. The eye cannot say to the hand, I don't need you. And the head cannot say to the feet, I don't need you. On the contrary, those parts of the body that seem to be weaker are indispensable. And Klaus actually prayed about that this morning, which is really cool. And the parts that we think are less honorable, we treat with special honor. And the parts that are, are unpresentable are treated with special modesty, while our presentable parts need no special treatment. But God has put the body together, giving greater honor to the parts that lacked it, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal concern for each other. If one part suffers, every part suffers with it. If one part is honored, every part rejoices with it. Now you are the body of Christ, and each one of you is a part of it. And so that is how Paul describes what this new community of Jesus is like. And I'm going to just share three points, um, because I think what we end up doing often in our hyper-individualistic society is we hear this aspect of the body and the parts, and we're like, yeah, I got to roll, I got to function. Good. What do I got to do? Let's just do something, because I'm a part. And I'm an individual. But the truth is, I think, is that in our identity, we are children of God first. And so it's, it's, I think, helpful for us when we're thinking about what is community to think of it in terms of the body, but also to balance that with this idea of the family. Because Paul talks about, in the New Testament, the body a lot, but he talks about brothers, sisters, spiritual fathers. 
So there's, there's something there I think that we got to catch a hold of that actually helps balance that idea of what a community is. And so we're going to talk about three um, little points here about what is community in relation to the body and family. And so the first one is the way that the body is one in many is different from the way that the family is one in many. Uniqueness and ability of individuals is highlighted within the body much more than the family. Okay. Uniqueness and individual and individual differences are highlighted much more within the body than the family. So for instance, like we read with Paul said, he's like, the eye is not the arm. The eye has a specific function. The arm has a specific function. But in a family, even though a brother is not a sister, the role distinctions kind of blur. I can take out the garbage. You can take out the garbage. I can serve someone coffee. You can set up in the morning here at church, right? Everyone with me? And so, yeah. Second point. In the body, differences are cast in terms of role and function. In family, differences are primarily in terms of maturity. So in the body, differences are cast in terms of role and function. In family, differences are primarily in terms of maturity. In families, children listen to their parents, hopefully. Not necessarily because it's a different role, even though that is a different role, although part of it, but because parents have wisdom, they have experience, they've lived life to a certain extent, and so they're better able to handle the unpredictability of things. And so children trust their parents. So within, if we're seeing community as a family, we recognize that there's people who are, we're at different stages, right? And so people at different stages, we want to look to the children of the family, to the parents. Everyone with me? Okay. The body metaphor has the goal to get people in community involved in the roles that are uniquely theirs to fill. The family metaphor teaches people how to accomplish that. And so as younger members of this community, this family, we look to the older for guidance, ways of living. And age is not a prerequisite here, but it can be helpful. So for instance, apparently I taught Roger a very good habit of lying down on the floor and eating all the food at community group. And I learned a lot of good things from Roger as well. So there's, a, there's an ability within a family, within a community for us to learn from each other, but it doesn't always have to be because I'm older than you. Understanding our church community as a family means the younger members will learn how to contribute from the older and wiser. In the body metaphor, we recognize that as a community, we all have a unique difference in responsibility. And I think this is important. There is a place for you here. Okay? Each and every one of you sitting out there right now who feels like, I don't know, man, what's he talking about? There is a place and a specific calling for you in God's family and body. Okay? Hearing me? Yes. Can I get an amen? amen? I told Jonathan before I might ask him for an amen, so that was perfect. thanks, buddy. Or up on the screen, amen. Everyone like that when that comes up? Amen. <laughs> oh man, there is a place for you in God's body, and so in the body metaphor, we recognize as a community that we all have a unique difference and responsibility, but the family metaphor for our community helps recognize what actually unifies us, okay? We talked about in our identity, whose are we? We are children of God. 
I wasn't there for that sermon, but I'm going to assume that that was part of what he was talking about. So whose are we? And so it's Jesus who makes us children of God. So the last point here is community as a body is oriented towards tasks, towards doing things within community. Community as a family expresses our need for communion with our Father and with our brothers and sisters. And so I think Jesus kind of paints, I mean, he usually, like, he is the answer. So he paints things pretty well in describing this. And we're just going to go to John 15, 1 to 17. And you might have heard of this scripture before. It's, it's a good one, though. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. This is Jesus giving a metaphor of what this new group of people is. He's describing it in this metaphor of a vine. I am the true vine, and my father is the gardener. He cuts off every branch in me that bears no fruit, while every branch that does bear fruit he prunes so that it will be even more fruitful. You are, already, you are already clean because of the word I have spoken to you. Remain in me as I also remain in you. No branch can bear fruit by itself. It must remain in the vine. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in me. I am the vine. You are the branches. If you remain in me and I in you, you will bear much fruit. We're going to do a lot of stuff, folks. Apart from me, you can do nothing. If you do not remain in me, you are like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be done for you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. As the Father has loved me, so I have loved you. Wow. Now remain in my love. If you keep my commands, you will remain in my love, just as I have kept my Father's commands and remain in his love. I have told you this so that my joy may be in you and that your joy may be complete. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this, to lay down one's life for one's friends. You are my friends if you do what I command. I no longer call you servants because a servant does not know his master's business. Instead, I have called you friends. For everything that I learned from my Father, I have made known to you. You did not choose me, but I chose you, and appointed you so that you might go and bear fruit, fruit that will last, and so that whatever you ask in my name, the Father will give you. This is my command, love each other. So what is community? Um, we talked about how in the New Testament they didn't have a specific definition but used metaphors and we looked at it from the perspective of community as a body, community as a family, and what Jesus described community as this vine in him. And so the last thing that we're going to talk about with community here is what do we do with community? Okay, it's good to know why community. It's good to know what it is. But what is it that we actually do? And so I was wrestling with this and what I was going to kind of say here. And the thing that struck me, this actually struck me yesterday. Jesus ends off his metaphor of the vine to describe community by commanding, love each other. Paul, in talking about the body in 1 Corinthians chapter 12, does anyone know what the chapter after that is? The love chapter. Isn't that weird? I, I thought it was interesting, though, right? Like, they describe what community is. Like, this is what this new community is. It's a body, it's a vine. 
And what do they say at the end of it? What do you do? They love each other. It's kind of weird. Like, you don't go out and do um, social justice stuff, even though that's important. You don't go out and just do stuff. You actually love one another. And so I think that it's important when we think about that, that there's like, okay, I mean, sure, Josh, like we love each other, but what does that mean? How does that work? Um, there's, a, there's a big picture in that. So what do we do with community? What's the big picture? And there's a small little picture. And so in the big picture, and this is how I kind of processed it, if we think about our values, God's agape, that like crazy love that is just for God and how he expresses his love, is expressed through the life, death, and resurrection of Jesus, which is the foundation of the good news. So his love is the foundation of the gospel that we talked about. Now that we've accepted that as truth, we want to follow Jesus, we have come into this new identity as, as children of God. Through this new identity, we recognize he's called us into a community, and in that community, we now go out and partner with him for the renewal of all things. Sound, sound familiar? Okay, so it's in this recognition of God's love for us through the gospel, through what Jesus does, that all of this becomes a reality. That's the basis for why we do anything in the community. And so community then becomes the context from which we see this vision. So the vision for our church is, anyone know the vision for our church? Nice. What was that, Roger? Yes, very good. And Allison, as it is in heaven, love it. Okay, that's the vision. Community is the context from which that actually happens as we follow Jesus in the way of Jesus for the renewal of our town. And so in that big picture, like God's love as the center of the gospel, us understanding that love and that informing all things of our values of why we're doing this in Allison, as it is in heaven, partnering with him, we understand the big picture best by recognizing and practicing the little picture. And so what's the little picture? And this is kind of what I, what I put. Our purpose, then as members of this community, is to learn about this love, so what Jesus did and why he did it, to practice this love with each other. What Jesus described is our pro- the primary identification of his community. You will know you, they will know you are my disciples by your love for each other. That's how the world actually knows that we love them. First, first they will know that we, that we are following Jesus by how we actually love each other. And the last part of that is we actually share his love with the world around us. And so the truth I think about all this, when we think of community, when we start thinking about, okay, what does that look like to love each other? That's when it kind of gets a little hard. We all kind of say, oh, I have my ideas of what loving you is, and I have my ideas of what community are. And I don't agree with you. So I'm not going to love you. Does that happen? I'm just going to kind of read a couple quotes here that uh, I hope will shake us up a bit. And then I'm going to finish off with a little practical outworking of how this works in the little stuff. So uh, I bought this really good book called um, Call to Community. It's a bunch of different authors who have kind of practiced community their whole life. Um, if you're interested, I can talk to you more about it after, but I've, I found it super 
um, convicting. So I'm just going to read a couple of these little quotes for you here. To love, we must die continually to our own ideas, our own susceptibilities, and our own comfort. The love that is shared in community is neither sentimental or a passing emotion. It is the recognition of a covenant, a mutual belonging. The path to love is woven in sacrifice. If we love those who are like us, how is that different than anyone else? This is not a mutual flattery club. Our commitment to one another is an expression of our commitment to God and his kingdom purposes. Participation in community, God's kingdom, actually means giving up loyalties and commitments that hinder or conflict with our commitment to God. Participation in community, God's kingdom, actually means giving up loyalties and commitments that hinder or conflict with our commitment to God. Here's some really good quotes. These ones are my favorite. John 15, 12 to 13. My command is this, love each other as I have loved you. Greater love has no one than this to lay down one's life for one's friends. And Galatians 5, 6 says, for in Christ Jesus, neither circumcision or uncircumcision has any value. The only thing that counts, the only thing that counts is faith expressing itself through love. So the practical outworking of this, I kind of just put, put down a couple jot notes here. The practical outworking of how we do community, so if we're, we need to learn about the love of Jesus for us, this is as simple as a Sunday sermon that helps us. Community groups, we get into a community group, we share our story with each other, we hear people's story. It, it points us to Jesus and it gives us a broader perspective of what Jesus is doing. Our own personal study. What? We have to, we have to study our reading of scripture in our own time, our relationships with mature followers of Jesus that can show us a way of life that Jesus lived, um, communion with God, talking to him, praying, and also supplemental resources. I would say books. Tom would say podcasts, I think. Klaus would say APPs. I love you, Klaus. Uh, and the second part, some people are like, what? What is that? EPPs. Apps. Apps. Lost apps. Um, we practice loving one another. Uh. We practice it. We actually love one another. And what does that look like? Someone's like, please tell me. Um, we spend time with each other outside of a Sunday. We meet practical needs for one another. We actually pray for each other. Pray for our leadership. Pray for people serving. Pray for the fracassies. We pray for each other. We step outside our comfort zones in relationships with one another. Oh, here's a good one. We engage those we dislike or disagree with in a humble, servant-hearted love. I love that. This is not a mutual flattery club. We allow and receive love from each other. We encourage, we build up one another. We reflect Jesus to each other by the way we live. And we, I mean, this is funny. I've been super convicted about this. And me and Jonathan, we've actually been practicing memorizing all of 1 Corinthians 13. So that when it comes to moments where I look at someone and I come to a relational moment, 
the thing on the forefront of my mind is how do I actually love this person? So that's something. Uh, third, third part, share, we share Jesus with the world. So we listen to the needs of people in our lives that don't follow Jesus and we meet those needs. Um, we give our time and resources to people in our circle of influence with no strings attached. We ask for wisdom and discernment on how to share the good news of Jesus with people in our lives that don't know him. And we do this by how we live and actually what we say to them. And the last point here is we look at everyone we come across as image bearing creations of the God who laid down his life for us. I'm going to read that again. We look at everyone we come across as image bearing creations of the God who laid down his life for us. And so just to kind of conclude this morning, guys, um, we talked about, can you bring up that definition of community again there, Simeon? Find it. It's kind of near the beginning. We're talking about community. This is the last of our values. Um, I hope it's blessed you. I hope it's cleared some things up for you. I hope it's stirred up questions. And, and my encouragement would, to you would be, now that community groups have started, that if you have those questions, that you would bring them to your community group leaders, that we could talk through them. And feel free to come up and talk to me about it as well. Yeah, so let's just read through this one more time. Community is a group of uniquely gifted people who are bound together in the love of the Father, learning to become like Jesus in the power of the Holy Spirit, and through covenant relationship, determined to partner with God and each other in the renewal of all things. And so that's kind of our vision and value series. Uh, I know we got a couple... Is it buns in the oven? Is that the? We got some buns in the oven for what the next series is going to be. We're hopefully actually going to break down some of these values into more like finer detail. Like, what do we do with this? Like, it's good to have vision and values, but how does this actually impact our day to day lives? We're going to go through that a bit. Um, and yeah, and so I think I just wanted to throw out a challenge for us this morning in thinking about community. And so the challenge that I would give us is. What about your definition of community needs to change? What about the, your definition of community needs to change? And how do we get the idea of community from a thought in our head to a daily practice of living? How do we get the idea of community from a thought in our head to a daily practice of living? living? So we're going to close actually with communion, which is super awesome. A celebratory thing and and we and I just want to kind of restate our communion with God is the basis from which any of this is possible we think about community we think about loving one another we think about going into the world partnering with Jesus for the renewal of all things it starts with our communion with God understanding his love for us what he's done the gift of grace that is Jesus Christ himself that is good news my friends and that's what we're going to celebrate here this morning and Klaus is going to come up in a second. I'm going to pray, and he's going to come up and share with us a bit. And I just want to kind of, yeah, I just want to ask Jesus to redefine for us what it looks like to be part of this covenant community here at Anchor Point. So I'm going to pray, and then Klaus is going to come up, and we're going to take communion together. Father, I just want to thank you uh, for this morning. Thank you for the opportunity to wrestle with this idea of communion. Um, as a church, um, as a body, as a family, as individuals. And I just pray, Jesus, by your Holy Spirit, that you would just tweak, tweak, tweak something in our hearts, Lord. Help us see your desire 
for unity, for community here amongst us at Anchor Point. Help us to love one another. We need your help so badly with that, Lord. Help us to see people that we haven't seen before. Help us to reach out. Help us to spread the good news of Jesus to our co-workers. Help us to do these things because we cannot do it on our own. And so we just pray, Father, that as we're kind of going, as we've gone through these values, Lord, that you would just redefine them for us, Lord. That in our own lives, when we've kind of become rigid in the way we've seen things, that you would just break those barriers down. So we invite you by your spirit to do that this morning. We thank you for your son, Jesus, who's made this all possible. We just come and celebrate what he's accomplished on the cross here and taking communion. We love you. We want to partner with you in what you're doing here in Alston. And we pray this all in Jesus' name. Amen.